Waiheke, can you dig it? Kia ora, I'm Chris and I'm a keen veggie gardener, but I'm just a novice. So I've decided to talk to locals who have greener thumbs than me to see what I can learn about composting, raising seeds, sowing and getting a bumper crop of fruit and veg. Brought to you by Waiheke Radio, your community radio station. This is Can You Dig It? and welcome to episode 5 of Waiheke Can You Dig It? This week I've been enjoying some homegrown bananas in the first of my passion fruit, so it's timely that I have a conversation with Laloma Andrews to share with you about community orchards. I wanted to talk to Laloma because I've been thinking about how to establish more of an orchard or food forest in my backyard, and she's got some great experience to share. Around the island at the moment there are a lot of peach trees in those community orchards and on the roadside that have a good number of fruit. They're not ready yet though and I'm hoping people can hold off picking until they're ripe because I wouldn't mind some peaches for a chilli sauce I'm thinking of making for this year's homemade chilli sauce fest. There'll be more on that in an upcoming episode. The chilies in my garden are going gangbusters at the moment, they're loving all the sun and heat. But now it's time for my conversation with Laloma Andrews. Here on Waiheke Island, we are blessed to have um, a, a number of, of public gardens um, and and food producing gardens that, that are available to us. And those have been supported by our local board going all the way back to 2012, where the local board um, identified in their strategic plan that they wanted to, um, to support food producing trees and, and plants in the community and one of the people who works on on establishing and maintaining those gardens is Loloma Andrews who's with me today. Hello Loloma. Hi. So these uh, people will recognise these gardens as they walk around the island. They'll see the little signs that say, um, is it Orchard Bee Garden? Yeah. Or bee orchard gardens. Bee orchard gardens, yeah. yeah. And you've been you've been working on those gardens for a number of years now, haven't you? Yes. Um, well, I. So I'm um, leading hand um, for the program company, and we've had extensively contracts um, with the council, and in particular for this project with the local board, um, establishing and maintaining our perennial bee orchard gardens so yes i um so i've been there from the beginning once they we um, established them planted all the fruit trees um and a lot of the community also volunteered and helped and um so we've been over the years looking after them to make sure that they continue to produce fruit for the public to help themselves we also grow their flowers that to attract the bees all year round and we also grow herbs there so the public can help themselves so long as they don't you know ruin the gardens that's the goal is that the produce is there for free for the for the public and i mean a lot of people, I think, you know, the the idea of kind of food forests has, has grown in, in popularity and, you know, many people will be thinking about, well, I know I kind of think about my lawn and think I've got to get rid of that damn thing. 
and <laughs> that seems one of the easiest ways to do it is to to plant stuff on top of it so i've been kind of toying with this idea of a of a mini food forest in the backyard but talk us through that you know when you when you get a patch of of land so something becomes available um you know how do you go about establishing that that kind of orchard and because you're doing this in a way where i suppose that you're wanting a fairly minimal degree of of maintenance Mm. needed right so Mm. how do you go about it um, so we um, initially what we did was to do a a till over the grass. So we did a light till over the surface. Um, just very take the the grass off and then till it, and then you plant your fruit trees. You plant your herbs. We also threw down a lot of wildflower seeds as well. Um, and you have to do that like every two years, top the, the seeds up and throw again so you can have a continuous flow of flowers um, growing. Um, so, yeah, and then we put mulch, wood chip mulch over it to, to keep the moisture in the ground. Um, but recently the company um, sent me to do an earthworkers workshop which was really intensive agriculture um science-based um horticulture uh workshop and they say not to put wood chip on the soil so basically um you're adding carbon to more carbon because earth the earth is made out of carbon so you don't want to add more stress to the soil and you're working with the microbes environment as well so less the less wood chip on there the better so what we used were um, straw bale uh, pea straw um, or you plant it up as much as you can so that the plant also um, work as a shade for the soil temperature Um, and also you use green manure crops which is like your mustards your um um lupins so this all fixes nitrogen into the soil we then cut it at the soil base and then we put it through a shredder and then we throw it back onto the soil and leave it to act like a a green mulch so these are all helping uh, reduce the temperature of the of the earth, the soil getting hotter, which is better for the plants as well, and also you're retaining moisture. And in the long run, this is also helping to mitigate global warming, earth earth um, temperatures rising. So these are these are things that we want to continue with the maintenance of these plants so i've been there since we started and and um and watch the plants grow and watch how people are using them we are not allowed to spray anything uh poisonous um so if there is any bugs in the fruit trees we um use the like the moth traps that you can buy at placemakers or any other um, 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 
you know, warehouse shop. Um, and we hang those in the fruit trees because we did have that um, moth, uh, Fijoa moth attack our, some of our Fijoas, not all of them. Um, and also another way is putting uh, Vaseline oil, uh, Vaseline around the base of your fruit trees as well. And that stops any of the larvae coming out of the fruit tree, fruits that's fallen onto the ground and it prevents them from crawling back up the tree to go into one of the flower buds of your fruit. Um, so when when you're um, establishing these gardens, you know, you're kind of having to think think into the future about yeah. about it. And, I mean, what goes into the the selection of, of trees, the selection of plants, and how are you envisioning it, you know, in, you know, I don't know, say in a decade's time? Um usually we don't choose the trees usually it's the local board that chooses it or the community chooses it um and we what we do basically is just the work but we also think a little bit more um than you know long term on how we're going to maintain those trees um and also make sure there's a balance like if there's too many fijos or we've only got apples or if we only got plums then we try and encourage uh the local board um to say hey i think it's important we have a bit more variety um so uh so we ask if we could get some other fruit trees as well so people can go to all these different perennial gardens. I think we have about six or seven now with the new one in McKenzie. Oh, sorry, Macintosh. Um, so, yeah, so we try and have a good balance so people can say, I could sell, tell someone, oh, there's no plum trees here, but if you go to this that perennial garden you'll find the plums there so it's nice you know and people are using these perennial gardens to get their herbs or to get some fruits yeah so that's it's it's a win-win and as, as you say there's a number of these around the community um you know some of the ones that i'm familiar with are um surfdale um behind the big black house there there's the the one on the track between Macintosh and, and Newton Road. Um, yep. What else have we got? We've got um, we've got Allison Park has two there. We've got um, Shelley Beach has two. Our biggest one is at the um, Austin Sports Park grounds, um, and. Uh, yeah, Lennon Road is that small one. Um, is the one opposite the um, Whisker? Is that is that one of yours? Yes, and that's that's another one. Uh, Queen's Drive Corner. Yes, that so that one is really popular for the bananas, and it's awesome because we know we know what's growing, and we go, oh, this one's going to be ready soon, and sure enough, we go back there months or three weeks later, and the the bananas have gone, they've been harvested. So it's good. It's good for us to see that they've been eaten and it's been used. And we love seeing the children at Blackpool run to the plum tree because they know exactly where the plums are. And they all, summer holiday, are going for it. So, yeah, no, it's it's good. Do you have a favourite? Oh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, you know, so from uh, those years of kind of establishing those gardens and maintaining them, you know, you will have observed what... Oh, sorry. And when you say favourite, they're all my favourites. Yeah. <laughs> don't have a particular favourite yeah. because each one has their strengths. Um, as to the other ones, we have also another um, here, another one just around the corner from here, uh, Waikare. Um uh, reserve walkway down to Onirara Beach and we've got a lot of fruit trees there and the neighbours look after that a lot because that one's we don't really go as often as we'd like to um, but it's always maintained and and the neighbours keep an eye on it for us and they also do what they can so again that's something the community is helping us and we help them so it's it's good. So you will have observed over the years, you know, what what works well in the Waiheke environment and climate. Mm-hmm. And if people are thinking, about, you know, that they want to establish an orchard at home, mm-hmm. what would be the things that you would recommend that people grow or, th- or think about growing? Mm. So I've noticed that actually a lot of the fruit trees do really well here and if you are thinking of having a banana patch the banana needs to be i've seen just in private gardens as well as our public gardens that north facing on a slope because bananas require a lot of water so we've that's why the bananas at queen's drive are doing so well they're north facing they're on a slope and um they are producing fruit all year round so that i noticed it's it's making sure you're growing the right trees in that location wherever you choose them that they have enough space that they do have enough shelter um yeah so I think also um, we've also planted with our fruit trees, we've planted borage and comfrey. So I don't know um, the reason why we do that. Um, these these borages and comfreys, they do spread, so you have to control them a little bit. But having those around the fruit trees at the base as well is quite important because then they have tap roots and those tap roots bring up all the nutrients for the fruit trees to to um, use to grow stronger so um, and then in winter they die down and they look terrible so all we do is just slash them cut them and use them as a, again as a green as a green manure we also make our own um, fertilizers so we use that as well and um, we feed that back into those gardens so yeah so I think do a little bit of research on the type of trees that you want to plant what does that plant need does it need shelter does it need semi-shade does it need full sun um yeah and some trees may need a male or a female to help them grow fruit so you need to also do that research as well and then check the layout of your land does it is it in the right spot if you want to plant it there um yeah so and but I've noticed a lot of trees grow now in our garden. So, yeah, just making sure you've got the right tree in the right place is really important. Yeah. I mean, I think about those, um, say, the citrus trees in Blackpool. 
Yeah. Um, they're, they're incredibly prolific and seem to do really, really well there. Yeah. Um, so we have the oldest um, citrus corner in Surfdale. Um, those trees still producing fruit, and even though they're infested with white fly, um, they've got black sooty mold on them. But because we grow borage under them, we we encut we prune them in a way that the airflow goes through them so it will reduce the amount of infestation and pests and diseases because, again, we, we can't spray. And that's helped them survive still today, even though they're riddled with um, borer and all those other pests and diseases I mentioned earlier. So, um, again, that's just knowing, making sure you're doing things right so that they grow really well. You, um, The one in, did you say Blackpool? Oh, yeah, but I meant Surfdale. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the one in Surfdale is quite young. Um, we only just planted that up a few years ago. Um or two years ago even, and we had problems with poo geckos there. So again, we um, we have to be careful. Um, how do we stop the poo geckos from from eating it? And you know, then you have to put nets over it. And I'm not a big fan of nets because I want birds to go through and pick and uh, help themselves to the fruit or the flowers. Um, and they also help. Um, getting rid of pests as well because they will eat uh, flies, they will eat the wasps, they will eat, you know. So you want that whole environment still to be um, not restricted, but, yeah, yeah, a little bit, um, what's the word for it, uh, en- encompassing, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, those those community gardens are a, a great model for, for the home gardener because, you know, you, it's something that, yes, there's maintenance and there's there's thinking and there's planning, but it's not something you're kind of at every day. Yeah. Um, when, it, when it comes to, to pruning loma, is your philosophy, is it go hard or, or take it easy? No, um, definitely not go hard because of, yes, um no, with with pruning fruit trees, you you basically have to do some research because you can't just go ahead and cut any old way. Um, you certainly have to know what you're pruning, what you're removing. So the the principle with pruning fruit trees is to basically allow light to get into the middle of the tree, um, into the middle of the canopy, and also that the birds can fly through it. Um, and that allows as well to reduce pests and diseases. It also um, allows for um, propagation naturally with birds. Um, it also allows for um ripening the fruit within the tree canopy um and so it's um so yeah so it pays to do a bit more research um my rule of thumb as well is if i do plant a new tree i don't touch it for at least three to five years um so the 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 roots get established, the the tree settles into its new environment, which not only means it's a, 
above the ground environment but also in the soil um, and so it gets nice and strong and if it does produce fruit I usually just pick those fruits off and throw them into the compost and I just let the tree grow and then if in five years time it does need pruning I do only a light prune for the more established trees that we have um, say at Austin Sports Park we get in there say every two years again it depends on the staff and who's available um, and then we do a, a big a big prune on all the fruit trees there with most fruit trees it would be great if you could if you could reach the very top because we can't get up on ladders we can't hire a, um, a cherry picker which is what you'd need for big big fruit trees um, so we try and keep them at a, a reachable size so the public can all reach them it's bird <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so um and then again um so i like to use like um if i prune the a light i do a light prune this this following year i'll do maybe a little bit harder than that maybe a two-thirds leave two-thirds of the growth and cut only one-third away so i'm just with pruning, I'm just pruning the tree so it's more manageable. I think that's the key. Yeah. And Laloma, you were, you were telling me that in more recent years, you know, you've you've become more focused on on your home garden. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, well, you know, what's what's your um, you know, what's your passion at home? Um, so my own home garden, uh, it's all because of COVID. I'm so busy looking after um, all our public gardens and and um, like the roundabout with all the poppies. Everybody loves those garden, that garden um, when they come, when we plant that up ready for um, winter and spring. And um, and COVID forced me to look into my own backyard. <laughs> so we have um, we have a few old trees. Unfortunately, they weren't producing as much. And yes, old trees, some old trees don't do so well when they're really old. And we had to unfortunately cut um, our old plum tree down that's been there for probably 30 something years and it was really sad because our son's um, treehouse was on that and all his cousins rave about um, climbing his tree and sitting in his treehouse and <laughs> so when I look into my gardens now I thought oh uh, retirement is around the corner what what could I do what do I want to do? And then um, again, it's also water. You need a big water tank extra for your veggie garden, um, and that's quite quite important. Um, so I decided to think, okay, I can do so much, and um, we managed to get an extra water tank. Um, so that holds us so much amount of water for only. The flower gardens and the veggie gardens and um, 
because I'm like, I'm a gardener. Why can't I have this at home, you know? I'm looking after everybody else's except for my own. So COVID is a silver lining. You have the, It was really good to force me to look in my own backyard. And so now I've started growing my um, uh, cut flowers, which um, a few people have seen on um, the community page. I call them Lilomas Blooms. And lays now. I'm starting to make lays, head lays. Um, and um, yeah, I have quite a lot of different types of flowers. Um, they're all spe- specifically grown for for me to be able to cut them and put them in vases and make arrangements with. And I have a I have a whole new row of dahlias now beginning to flower. So it's quite exciting. And I harvested three big zucchinis and tomatoes have started and the lettuces are growing so this is actually giving bringing so much joy um not just professionally but also personally now for me at home which is great because who who doesn't like growing their own kai you know yeah, there's nothing beats it, is there, going out into the garden and, and picking what you're going to eat for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the big ve- veggie garden as well as your cut flowers? It's not a big one. It's a small one. I have two small ones, and um, I have, um, well, I wouldn't say small with the cut flowers. I say a little bit bigger than the small veggie gardens. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I have. it's big enough that I can grow a lot what I want to eat and I think that's where a lot of people think what can I grow just grow what you love to eat first don't get overwhelmed with um with uh, what other people are growing just grow what you love yeah yeah and what's that for you you talked about tomatoes zucchinis tomatoes zucchinis beans I love beans I love celery I love um beetroot I love kohlrabi um, our spring onions and silver beet and spinach. So, yeah, I have a few things, chili and peppers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I've been talking with Laloma Andrews, and um, who is one of the people responsible for maintaining a great community gardens and the bee orchard gardens around around the island. So, you know, go get your get your walking shoes on and and go and have a look. Um, yeah. You know, and is there a place Laloma where people can find out? You know, where those are. Um, or do they just need to pound the pavement? Yeah, no, actually, that's a good question. No, I don't think the um, the the council office actually has a flyer. Um, last time we were in the garden safari a few years ago, and um, on the flyer, their flyer, we all the gardens were placed, and everybody could go and see them, and um, were mentioned there, so people could go and walk to and and go and visit them so no um i think it's just a surprise 
Yeah. Well, I I I found the the one yeah found the one the other day. I didn't even know about down between Macintosh and and Newton Road down that Newton Basin there, and that was one that was completely new to me. Um, perhaps one place that people could check out is. Um, Waiheke Resources Trust. So um, their website has a food foraging map, and I think okay. some oh, some of those may be on be, there. Yeah, that would be great. Because um, one time, um, a chap who used to walk his um, pigs around. Yeah, and that's great. At Shelley Beach, we have uh, perennial gardens there, and um, the fruit that had fallen on the ground were diseased. So I, he came along with his pigs. I said, please get them to eat it all <laughs> because we would only remove it, you know, and that this way it was feeding his pigs. So that was a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. And, oh, you're uh, welcome. Yeah, and happy gardening. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this week's podcast. I said a couple of weeks ago that we were working on getting these and other Waiheke Radio podcasts onto platforms like Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. We're still working our way through some of that complexity, but you can now follow Can You Digger on Spotify and all Waiheke Radio podcasts on Google Podcasts. So I'll share links on the Can You Digger show page at www.waihekiradio.org.nz. You've been listening to Waiheke Can You Dig It? Tips and info for the home gardener on Waiheke Island. Brought to you by Waiheke Radio. Mm-hmm.